This is a Counterspin Media presentation. Presenting Samantha Edwards Reports. Report number seven. Don't fall for the election psyops. The lead-up to the 2023 New Zealand general election has seen the wasted vote narrative pushed harder than any previous year. There is concern that this will sway the voting public into casting a vote against their own conscience, causing them to refrain from voting for the party they want to vote for, and instead vote for a party they dislike, due to a fear-based persuasion of the voting public that this is the strategic way to vote. Today, I take a look at this narrative. And I also take a look at someone who's pushing this narrative harder than anyone else in the public arena. After watching this video and learning a little of this person's history, you may find yourself asking the same question I am. Is a prominent voice in the New Zealand freedom movement's ear, actually an agent of political psyop? There's a debate that can be heard in every sector of our society at the moment, a very important debate, and it's all about who to vote for in the upcoming general election. In order to make an a decision that we won't regret down the track. We need to be able to accurately evaluate what we're hearing and who we're hearing it from. Election psyops are not a new thing, but they're currently being enacted at levels that I for one have never witnessed before in New Zealand. Today, I'm going to be bringing you some information that may suggest that we have an active agent of such political psyop operating as a freedom movement leader, and that most of us are unaware of this. Or it may not suggest that, that that's up to you to decide for yourself. It's all in the interests of transparency and the ability to make informed decisions. So in a few minutes, I'll really get into it and bring some historical information that will really shine a light on, on that. Uh, but before that, I'd like to just give some current context as to why I think that that information is so relevant. So. Let's start by listening to a little bit of a Voices for Freedom Politics 101 webinar, which took place a few days ago on the 4th of September, which VFF said was an educational seminar of sorts to teach people how to vote effectively. I'm going to play Cameron Slater now, and he's trying to explain how he would go about voting. They hope that you'll waste your vote because then they don't have to get as much to get close to a majority. Do you really want that to happen? No, I didn't think so. So choose a party who looks like getting over the threshold. That means, folks, that if you want to change the government, it is my considered opinion that there are only three parties you can vote for. They are the National Party, the ACT Party or the New Zealand First Party. Yes, you did hear that correctly. <laughs> that was one of our Freedom Movement voices, uh, employed by Voices for Freedom's Reality Check Radio, telling us that the only vote to make was for one of the three globalist-aligned and deeply corrupt parties of National Act or New Zealand First. 
That webinar continued after that, focusing throughout on what they appeared to be saying was the futility of voting for any party that wasn't already polling at at least 5%. Let's listen to a wee bit more. The man speaking here is Dean Harris from Voters United. The major parties have all the power and they will decide what policies they want to see get in and what policies won't get in. So unless a, a minor party has, as I say, some good numbers, none of that will see the light of day. So they can promise you the world, but deliver you a grain of sand instead. These parties make promises which they can really promise the world because the likelihood of them ever being in a position where their policies weren't like actually going to be implemented is zero. Like it's so low, it almost doesn't ex exist. When you see a Voters United poll, and for example, you might have seen the pie chart and it will show a couple of, um, for example, I think the last one, there were a couple of parties showing about 35%, was it Dean each? Something yeah. like that. Thereabouts, um, yeah. One, one is, party was ahead of the other. Right, okay, a approximately though. The thing with that is, that is of a specialized targeted sample of um, voting public, i.e. it's predominantly the freedom community, because that's where, that was the whole point of what Dean and Voters United were trying to do when, you know, and still are, is to try and um, encourage the freedom community to coalesce and come around one party. No, you did, you did right, Claire. It's the, the, the percentage of what we've got in our polls. For example, the, uh, the poll that, the, the party that's currently leading in our poll uh, I think it got 38% or something like that. But if you looked at a national poll on a on a courier or one of those, they'd be probably, I think they're polling less than 1%. Mm. So, so, so anything less anything less than 2 or 3% hasn't got a hope of getting in. Now, as far as being an educational seminar, I'm sure most of us understand that policies won't be instated unless there's a presence in Parliament. But what I don't understand is that rather than explaining the small Voters United polling group and then using that to say we need to get it up to 5% on the national poll, the theme continued downwards into a therefore there's no point supporting this party and we need to get behind one of the establishment parties. Like the message we just heard from Cam. A message that many listeners have commented does also seem to be coming through pretty thick and fast on VFF's RCR radio station. That appears to me to be in stark contrast with what Claire has just explained Voters United's mission was, which as she said was to coalesce around a burgeoning, flourishing freedom movement party. I totally understand that it's not wisdom to unite or coalesce with a party that has any corruption within its ranks, but that's not the situation here. And now that we do have a party that's doing amazingly well, rather than using this seminar to foster this coalescence, there was a pretty undeniable and persistent theme that to vote for them would be a wasted vote. You don't want to do that. Not even mentioning the party by name, and then bringing on Cam Slater to not only mention his favourite parties by name, but to also give his pseudo-professional recommendation that we vote for National Act or New Zealand First, which we know would all result in a national government, placing our country squarely into the hands of the globalist Luxon. 
who in turn would love to place us into 15-minute concentration camps where we'll be chowing down on bowls of grasshoppers. As long as we've been good slaves and taken our daily vaccines, of course. (laughs) I mean, I and others that listened to that webinar were literally gobsmacked to hear through an RCR representative that that we need to vote for the other half of the Uniparty, the other coloured globalist parasite, to see a change in government. Really? Isn't politics 101? I mean, our starting point, the basic understanding that they're all minions employed by the same bunch of lunatics? And I also just wanted to say, Apologies, I won't be much longer and I will start bringing that information about that person that I do believe is an agent of a political psyop in the heart of the freedom movement in New Zealand. Um, But yeah, while we're here, let's talk about the polls. You know, Dean Harris was just talking there about the national polls. I think it's important that when we're talking about these polls that we understand and talk about the fact that polls such as the Colmar Brunton and the Roy Morgan or even the Curia are not necessarily as pure as the driven snow, not necessarily trustworthy or accurate, and that such polls have been found in the past to have been tampered with to reflect false data to cause us to feel that we're a tiny minority. Remember the 90 to 95% vaccination data? You know how they completely skewed the official numbers and just presented the number they wanted to make us feel like that we were the only one who hadn't had the jab, you know? And when you look at who owns the polls, I think we'd be pretty naive to think they'd fiddle with the health stats, but they wouldn't fiddle with the political stats. There's nothing these people wouldn't do. And I submit that they would do exactly that, actually, to try and achieve exactly what the Voices for Freedom webinar was passing on there, this sense of there's no point mounting a resistance, we're such a tiny minority, we can't do anything to change anything. It's their system, their game, we just, you know, we're forced to play, what can we do? We really just need to understand and accept how weak and powerless we are. You know, don't anyone be getting any crazy ideas about doing something brave. You just need to vote red or blue or one of the other two, that's how this thing is done. That's how smart people vote. No, <laughs> that's, that's how people who've been indoctrinated to forget the power that they actually hold vote. Why wouldn't they lie to us about the polls and try to misrepresent how many of us there really are? They've been lying to us about everything else, so why wouldn't they be lying to us about what we can all see and feel, that there's a massive amount of people waking up every day and that so many of us are ready to stand with everything that we have? And one way that we're going to stand is by voting differently this time round. We're going to vote with conviction to turn the tide in the direction of what we want to see happen in this nation. We're not going to vote out of fear. Fear that's been pumped into us by this wasted vote narrative, particularly through VFF and RCR at the moment. And if you want to talk about the wasted vote issue, there's another very valid angle that was noticeably absent in this webinar. That angle being that if New Zealand First is already a shoe in guaranteed a presence in Parliament, so polling at 6% already, 
and usually NZF poll higher on the day, well then wouldn't it make sense to encourage people to throw themselves behind a minor party that they actually want to vote for? so that we could get as many freedom representatives into Parliament as possible, especially in the light of the fact that Winston Peters has so adamantly ruled out any possibility of a coalition with Labour, but refuses to rule it out with National. Definitely open to the idea. So if they did get in under the condition of a supply and confidence agreement or some other coalition agreement, it would mean that they won't be sitting in opposition to or bringing any accountability to National. They'd be supporting them. And in that context, it could definitely be argued that a vote for New Zealand first would be a wasted vote then. Such a vote would be seen by many as a vote for the continuation of the establishment parties and the continuation of the red and blue paradigm that keeps us in slavery and has caused us nothing but grief so far, now more than ever. People commented to me that they felt that this webinar was very biased and they felt angry and betrayed by what they were being advised to do, which I would probably summarise by people were saying to me that they felt that they were being encouraged to let go of their vision and that they came out the other end of that webinar very deflated. But don't we need to remember that other parties that are in government or have been in government at some point started small too? Anyone who's ever achieved anything will tell you that the level of success is usually directly related to the level of vision before ever taking the first step. And what could be more important to have success in than this election? This is our children's futures. This is something to have a vision for. But unfortunately, we have a voice amongst us which has, in my opinion, undermined this vision and appears strongly as if they're trying to extinguish it. So I'm now going to move into talking about this particular voice and bringing some information about the person behind that voice, which, as you may have figured out by now, is Cameron Slater. But before I do, I need to make it known that this is not personal, Again, this is purely to provide information to people who may not know some important and very relevant aspects of Cam's history and his previous role as an overt and highly unscrupulous political operator. It's always pertinent to deeply consider who's selling a particular narrative. So let's take a look at who it is that's selling this wasted vote narrative harder than anyone else I've heard in the freedom movement. Mr. Cam Slater. Cam is the son of former National Party President John Slater, but you may remember him better as the subject of Nikki Hager's book, Dirty Politics, which was based on correspondence hacked from Cam's computer, which unraveled the intriguing story of how Cam Slater was used basically as a tool, as the character of a renegade media man, to massively bias political outcomes in National's favour all from the arena of independent media. So what you might call an agent of politico-media psyop. The book went into what were close paid ties between Cam and National MP Judith Collins and exposed a swathe of extremely shady email correspondence between the longtime close friends. 
It was such a sterling and important piece of investigation that author Nikki Hager received a New Zealand Order of Merit Award for his work. Unfortunately, he also received serious government-sanctioned police harassment. The police raided Hager's home, seizing all his valuable tech equipment, even destroying Nikki's hard drive and all the evidence that was on it. In December 2015, the High Court in Wellington declared that the warrant used to raid Hager's home was fundamentally unlawful. And in the course of that hearing, the police also admitted that they had accessed Hager's personal banking data. On the 30th of August 2014, Judith Collins resigned as a minister in the wake of an email scandal which suggested that she had attempted to criminally undermine the former Serious Fraud Office Chief Executive Adam Fairley in league with Slater. John Key did approve an inquiry into this affair, but at the same time he placed very limiting boundaries on that inquiry. What it did confirm, however, was that there were two separate independent efforts to undermine the head of the Serious Fraud Office, Adam Fairley, and that Cameron Slater was at the centre of both of those efforts. The Dirty Politics investigation also revealed that Cam Slater had some very concerning ties with John Key and that a disturbing amount of communication was going on between the pair. The book described how multiple email exchanges had occurred between Cam Slater and the National Party's spin doctor, Jason Ede, who worked closely with Prime Minister John Key. In February 2014, John Key told the media that Winston Peters had visited the Kim.com mansion three times in the last couple of years. Winston didn't seem too keen on admitting publicly to this, but after the information was proven publicly to be correct, Peters publicly challenged John Key to reveal the source of his information, suggesting that he must have used spy agencies to track his movements. But Key denied that spy agencies had been involved, hinting blatantly that the source of the information was Cameron Slater. Cam Slater would frequently use his whale oil blog site to attack anyone who stood in National's way. In September 14, the Inspector General of Intelligence and Security announced that she'd be heading up an inquiry in response to claims that details of a briefing between the head of the SIS with former Labour leader Phil Goff were given to Cameron Slater. She said the inquiry was in recognition of public interest and that it looked like the SIS may have been used for political purposes. The results of that inquiry were released at the end of November 2014, and what it found was that the SIS had given information to John Key's office, from where John Key's employee Jason Ede passed it on to Cam Slater, all by previous arrangement. Even complete with draft blog posts for Cameron to publish in an attempt to undermine Phil Goff. Cameron subsequently used that information to attack Phil Goff on his whale oil blog, with detrimental consequences that reached far beyond Phil Goff and impacted the entire Labour Party. Nikki Hager's book revealed that Cam was paid to attack public figures and to release information that often benefited National. 
Cam's been found guilty of many crimes in relation to his blog, including eight counts of breaching name suppression, as well as one of revealing the protected identity of a sexual abuse victim who was a child. But usually being very lightly consequenced in relation to the severity of the crimes he was convicted of, he was only fined $750 for each name suppression offence, which was a serious crime and something he'd been warned many times about but continued to deliberately do. While he often tried to present himself as a bit of a crusader for truth by revealing these names, Nikki Hager's book did a great job of exposing the political agenda behind so much of what Cam Slater did through his whale oil blog. And ironically, when it became Cam's turn to be exposed at the event of the Dirty Politics book, he petitioned the court for name suppression of his own. In 2014, Cam published a post with the headline, Feral Dies in Greymouth Did World a Favour, which has since been removed. At the time of Cam's post, all that the media had actually reported was that one person had been killed when a car crashed into a house in Greymouth after ignoring the police. And that person turned out to be an innocent young passenger in the back seat. But after a wave of public outcry that Cam apologised for this headline, Cam responded by saying he would not be apologising, saying, quote, Where is it written in the rule books that you have to take into account people's feelings? Cam's received a declaration of interference with privacy, a takedown order, a restraining order, multiple charges and convictions of defamation. And in 2019, he unsurprisingly announced that he was declaring bankruptcy due to the plethora of defamation rulings against him. And if you ever do care to take the time to look yourself, you'll find that just about every complaint of defamation against him was brought by some sort of key figure whose smearing would benefit National. In 2014, a hacker who called himself Rorschach created an account called Whale Dump, where he released a series of emails that he said he'd hacked from Cam's computer and that were later confirmed to have been written by Cam himself, where he revealed Cam's messages, emails such as, I've done what I set out to do, it's time to go. But despite all these things, Despite all the revelations in the Dirty Politics book, which encompasses a lot more than what I've talked about here and goes far deeper into the story of how he was paid to manipulate the voting public towards National. Yep, regardless of all of that, Voices for Freedom decided he's the guy for us and they employ him as a kind of political advisor to the freedom community with a regular slot on their radio station, Reality Check Radio, otherwise known as RCR. RCR is a radio station that many have commented seems to be pushing a, a persuasive political message upon the freedom and truth communities at the moment, one that's leaned towards New Zealand first, pushing the idea that the conscience vote, a, a vote for change, is a wasted vote and also spreading incorrect information that votes for minor parties that don't reach the 5% threshold are reallocated when they are in fact discarded. By and large, the majority of those votes get reallocated to the Labour Party or the National Party. 
And so it was 7.9% of the vote in 2020. That yep. equated to 225,182 votes that got reallocated with Labour then gaining five seats, National gained three. Now, the Freedom Community would never vote National, as we know and as Cam Slater knows, and as was clearly his objective back in the Dirty Politics saga. However, many are commenting that they are detecting a strong push from Cam towards voting for New Zealand first and away from voting for a true Freedom Party, one that would refuse to work with National and refuse to compromise with globalists. That's the essence of democracy. So what you're saying is that New Zealand First wants to put New Zealand First. It's in our name. Yes, you're right. <laughs> Thank you very Thank much. Thank you, Winston. <laughs> Thank you very much. You may remember that I said earlier that I personally don't place a lot of trust in polls such as the Curia. Well, the man that Cam Slater was interviewing here for Reality Check Radio, David Farrar, owns the Curia poll and he also owns KiwiBlog, another political blogging site often used to denigrate National's opponents. Many believe that Cam Slater and David Farrar have an allegiance beyond what they've publicly admitted to. I don't have time to go into too much detail here, but remember this picture from earlier? Well, it's been revealed that David Farrar played a part in the dirty politics corruption too. A sinister email was sent by this lady, Kathy Odger, who worked with Cam on the election campaign PSYOP of 2011 to David Farrar, which read, Make sure when Cam finds it, that you repost where Hager lives. I've done a post for Saturday on Whale Blog. And then it continues on to say, It would be a disaster if they knew where he lived. He may even need police protection. There are a number of shady political connections associated with David Farrar, which is one reason I personally do not trust the Curia poll. Other links between Voices for Freedom, RCR and the New Zealand First Party are numerous. As reported here in this article in the Post on the 3rd of September 2023. This photo shows the Voices for Freedom coordinator Dan Tyther in attendance at the New Zealand First Conference on the 3rd of September 2023 with New Zealand First candidate Kirsten Murfitt and Glenn Inwood. Glenn is a man who's had a number of interesting roles in the past, including being the press secretary for the Helen Clark government, the spokesperson for the institute that runs Japan's so-called scientific whaling program, the spokesperson for the Māori Fisheries Trust, chaired at that time by New Zealand First's Shane Jones, and he was also at the head of the Association of Community Retailers, or ACR. This was an organisation exposed back in 2011 as being little more than a fraudulent front for big tobacco. It's a bit much to go into in detail here, but there appears to be links between Glenn Inwood and Carrick Graham a PR consultant who was involved in the dirty politics defamations alongside Cam Slater and whose clients include Big Tobacco. The Dirty Politics book revealed how Carrick Graham paid Cam Slater almost $7,000 a month to publish attack blogs that worked out in the favour of such organisations. So understandably, I found myself asking why was this guy given such a platform as Reality Check Radio? 
to get in the ears of the freedom and truth movements and the time leading up to such an important election. Why would VFF choose Cameron Slater, of all people, for this position at, at this time when the matter of integrity and trustworthiness is, is just so paramount, especially around the area of politics? Doesn't make sense to me. I've heard that VFF funded the startup of RCR to the tune of millions of dollars, on which Cam is a major presence, of course, and now they're giving ear to Cam's voice on their How to Vote webinars. But what I don't understand is why would you choose a guy who's such a notoriously dirty political operator to help navigate the New Zealand public through this extremely important election? I think the New Zealand public deserves to know if he's renounced his incredibly strong allegiance to Judith Collins and National and whether he's renounced his not-so-old ways of shamelessly lying and manipulating the New Zealand public for, for political aims. Shouldn't this be something that warrants a little bit of disclosure? I mean, if he hasn't renounced these connections, I think it'd be kind of rational to consider that he may just be up to his old tricks right here in the warm embrace of the freedom movement. But why? What's he doing here in the freedom movement? Well, let's be real. If he's still the same Cam Slater he was a few years ago, he could be doing a number of things. He could be attempting to manipulate election outcomes, trying to wreak political sabotage as he did back then, in league with National as he was back then. Uh, I mean, what evidence do we have that he's in any way ended his partnership with National and that he's not still in cahoots with them? I mean, apart from that, he could just simply be attempting to discourage people from rising up and forcing political change. Just like he was doing back then, maybe he's trying to influence the vote and steer it towards National or someone who's going to go in coalition with National. As he said... On the VFF webinar and all over RCR, vote National Act or New Zealand First. The mainstream public's written him off after Nikki Hager's book, but maybe now he's just coming at this thing from a different angle. Uh, could it be that this time he's got his sights set on what he knows National Daily wants, which is the freedom vote? I did try contacting Cam a couple of weeks ago about something different. It was about a sudden increase in collaboration with Brian Tamaki and his sudden vigorous promotion of him. First time I've ever contacted him. And the response I received was, F off, with all the other letters in there. I figured, you know, maybe it was my own fault. I was asking him some annoying questions. So anyway, I tried again, and he promptly met that with a, another F off this time followed with the block button. So I think that was a no. He doesn't want to talk to me. Pretty sure. But I reckon I could bring him around. Anyway, as you know, I'm not easily put off, which is why I'm here right now talking to you, because I believe there's good reason to think that there may be a bit of a political psyop going on here. And we may need to be reminded that this vote that Cam is telling us to make for New Zealand first is essentially a vote for national, which is what he was doing back in his dirty politics days. 
steering people towards a vote for National. You know, as we all know by now, National is simply the other wing of this globalist vulture, and New Zealand First and the ACT Party are the tail feathers, steering that scavenger the way that the globalists want it to go. So let's keep our wits about us and stay discerning. Let's not let the vulture have its way with us. And let's not allow ourselves to fall victim to any political psyops in the lead up to this supremely important election. The vultures may be circling, but there are many of us and few of them. And as much as they may try to convince us that we may as well give up because we can't save ourselves or change the way it's always been, they're wrong. Together, we can do just that. We must use this election to make history, or we may find ourselves being history. Counterspinmedia.com